What has he not done for us? What really hasn't he done for us, if we think about it? It's so good to see everybody here today. I know you could be in very many places, but you chose to be in the house of God this morning. And I want you to know that it is a privilege to be in the house of God. It's a privilege to be called a child of God. And we should not take it for granted at any point in our lives. We should never take it for granted. Because there's a scripture that I, that I hold dear to my heart, and I think it's good for every Christian to do the same. It says, no one can come to the Father, right, except through Jesus, right? And it says that only the Father can draw men unto himself. I cannot come by myself, and only him can draw me. So the fact that we are all here today and children of God is enough reason to be grateful to God. So just take one minute and just thank him for bringing you into the family of God. And so Father, we just say thank you. Thank you for your word that you're about to bring to us this morning. I pray that it will be void of any human help, that it will be just your truth and only your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm so excited to talk about a topic this morning that is titled Witnesses. Witnesses. And I've put a little parenthesis to it as the last command, right? Witnesses, that's the big topic. And a subheading, the last command. Today I'm going to be talking about what God really expects us to be doing as his children, the life we're living, everything that he has done, what it's supposed to mean now that he's in heaven and we are his ambassadors here on earth. So we're just going to start with the confession that we always start with, and I hope that you can repeat this after me. This is the word of God. It is God speaking to me. My ears are attentive. My heart is receptive. As I am taught the word, the seed of life will be planted. It will surely grow deep roots, and it will produce its fruit in me. Amen. Let's quickly open our Bibles to Acts chapter 1 from verse 7 to 9. This is Jesus speaking. He replied, The Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. I start off there because it's just, it's an open-ended question. What came before it? The disciples and everybody were thinking, what's the next step? What's going to happen? And Jesus said to them, only God, the Father, because Jesus is God too, but he himself does not know. Only God the Father knows, so don't worry about that. But rather, verse 8 He says, but you will receive power 
when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. That's that topic we have. And you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching and they could no longer see him. So now you see why it's the last command. This was the last thing Jesus said to his disciples. Not anything else. Forget, well, don't forget. But everything else he had said, but on his departure, one thing he said, be my witnesses to the end of the earth. And that's what we, you and I, are supposed to do, right? See, there's something interesting in the creation of man, right? God has given us authority over this earth, right? And in Adam, we gained physical authority. You know, in Genesis, he said he has given us authority. But in Jesus, the second man, we gain another kind of authority, a spiritual authority in him, right? And if we actually look at what we have been given, right? So when I said, what has he not done for us? He has given us authority over on this earth and even spiritually. But why did he do all of this? Why would he create man and have man be given everything? Everything, right? First Peter 2.9 tells us why. He says, but you are not like that for you are a chosen people, right? You and I. Man outside, those who are unbelievers, they still have the authority of the first Adam, which is why you and I can still travel to space. We can still name animals. We can still do all of these things. Man is exercising that physical authority that Adam had. But we as believers have been added upon by giving the spiritual authority that Jesus has. So now we as believers have been given everything. And he says, why? You are not like that. You are a chosen people. Everybody sitting here in this room that believes Jesus is a chosen person. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. God's main objective of bringing you out and bringing you into his family is so that through your life and through everything that you do, you can be his witness and others can come in as well. Simple. Everything you will do till the day you leave this earth is supposed to do exactly that. It doesn't matter whether you're a doctor, whether you're a nurse, whether you're a soldier, whether you're a worker, whether you're a janitor, it doesn't matter. Everything is supposed to do just that. And we'll see that it's possible because the, the mindset that we have is that there's this special kind of way that God can use for you to be his witness. And I'm here today to tell you that every single day, aspect of your life, is meant to be a witness, right? So if we read Matthew 5, right, the first one, that was Peter saying it, but this is Jesus even saying it himself. Matthew chapter 5, 14 to 16, it says, you are the light of the world, right? He always paints the picture that there's people that need to be shown a good and a different life. They need to see the light, right? He says, you are the light of the world, Right? 
If you read it, who is you in that verse? Please answer me. Who is you in that verse? Say it boldly because then you would think it's just me that should be preaching. Who is you in that verse? Right? It's you, right? It's me when I read it. It says, I, Anu, I am the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. It's interesting because if you go to verse 16, it says, In the same way, let our, your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Right? The objective of you even being a witness is not so people can say, Oh, I know you're a great guy. You can preach. Hey, uh. No. It's not so people can say, oh, you have all this nice stuff. You're always helping people. No. It's so that ultimately people will see and glorify God. And that's a quick way to already check whether your good deeds <laughs> is, is for you or is for God. If you find that everything you're doing, you're always, it's always about, oh, oh yeah, they're nice, nice. If it's always going back to you, check it. Right? You are the light of the world. And it says, no one. I like that it says no one because it didn't say no man or no spirit. It says no one. Whether you're a spirit, whether you're a man, whether you're anything, no one lights a lamp. God did not light you as a lamp to put you in your house and then you and your family are just there by yourselves, you know, enjoying our theme for this year is blessed. Enjoying all the blessings of God by yourself, you know, you don't know what's happening to your neighbor. You don't even know whether your neighbor is saved. Because that's what most of us are right now. God has laid us up. And he didn't put anything on top of us, but we decided that I'm going to go and shield myself in one place and just... But that's not what God wants. He wants us to be witnesses. And I say witnesses, not in a showy kind of way. Like, I'm not saying that now we all need to go and start up church somewhere. But I'm saying in the way that he himself designed, that God himself designed, right? Let's look at what Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, verse 1 to 5. He says, you should know this, Timothy, that in the last days, there will be very difficult times. This sounds like where we are today. For people will love only themselves and their money. Instagram, Snapchat, selfies, myself, yeah? And their money. What are you showing on Instagram? Isn't know what you have? Huh? And they will be boastful and proud, right? Scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. Keep going, please. They will be unloving and unforgiving. Cancel culture. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless. They will be puffed up with pride and love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that can make them godly. Stay away from people like that. Did that not just describe the world we live in? No, please be honest. Like, I'm saying this and it looks like I'm the only one thinking it. Is this not the world we live in? That was written how many years ago? Well, we don't need to, it's, it's too far back. But the word of God already tells us what is happening to us today. 
But the interesting part in verse 5, he says all of these things will happen. He says they will act religious. Because today what we have is a culture around religion. And I don't know if you have noticed it yet, but there's a culture that has been built around religion itself. You know, I will go to this worship night and as long as, you know, I go to some worship nights, I go to some acting religious. Acting religious. Right? But it says, but they will reject the power. Right? They will reject the power to, that can make them godly. Stay away from people like that. And that's where we're going to really dwell today. That power that allows us to be his witnesses. Not the one where we act and we try. Man, when pastor said that thing on Thursday, I was so amazed. He said that two people are talking and their hearts could be saying another thing. I was like, that's acting. It's acting. And I'm guilty too, so we are all there together. But they reject the power. God did not build this life and design this life and expect us to act it out. No, he, there's a power to live it out. Right? And that's where we're going to say, that power that people reject is the power of the Holy Spirit. Right? I know we've been talking about the Holy Spirit. We keep talking about him. We keep talking about him. But he's the, he's the crux of everything in the kingdom of God. And we'll understand it today. The Holy Spirit is God's gift. He's the promise to us. And we don't acknowledge him enough. Even when Jesus started to speak about him, they started to neglect him. Right? If we read John 16, 5-7. Verse 5 starts, it says, but now I am going away to the one who sent me. This is Jesus. And not one of you is asking where I am going. Verse 6, instead you grieve because of what I've told you. They are so bothered that Jesus is leaving already. Right? He says he's going. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away. Because if I don't, the advocate won't come. And if I do go away, then I will send him to you. The Holy Spirit was given to us by Jesus in our best interest, right? He said, it is best for you that I go away. How many, I'm not a parent, right? But I've been a child. And every parent in this room can understand it. There are things that you do, not because, oh, it's going to make my child happy or it's going to make them, but because it's in their best interest. It's in their best interest. Right? This is what Jesus did for us. He says, I'm going, but I will send you somebody else, the advocate. Right? The Holy Spirit, he's a very, I call him the, the, like, the hidden ingredient. Like The Bible talks about him, but it doesn't really, the way you talk about God and the way you talk about Jesus, the Holy Spirit is always there. But like the way he is truly is so unseen, but he himself is the power of God, right? The Holy Spirit is so unique in that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit, they're one. The Son is the Word of God, and the Spirit of God is always there to perform 
the word that's spoken of God, right? <laughs> Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 9 to 12. It says, Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. See, I have this day set thee over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down and to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Jeremiah, what seest thou? And I said, I see a rod of an almond tree. Then the Lord said to me, thou hast well seen, for I will hasten my word to perform it. Right? I will, some other versions will tell you, I watch over my word to perform it. Right? Keep that in your mind. Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. Right? You could read this scripture, and if we omit the part where the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters, it would still be a full scripture. Darkness was over the face of the deep. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. But why was it indicated that the Spirit of God was moving over the waters? Because the Spirit of God is there waiting for that word. When the word comes and the word is believed, the spirit of God performs it. Luke chapter 1, 34 to 35. At the mouth of two or three witnesses, right? Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. How, right? Answer. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit, he's there, the creation of the world. Now they're about to, the word is about to be made flesh. And he says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby will, to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God, right? John chapter 1 verse 14. And the word was made flesh, right? The word was made. If something is made, something is making it. The word was made flesh by the power of the Holy Spirit. And, the, and dwelt amongst us, and we beheld his glory, and the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Right? Romans 8 verse 11. Let's see that part. The spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Pastor told us, be very, the Bible, the Holy Spirit is very detailed on what he does. He's quick to point it out to you who raised. Yes, the father is the one doing it all. But they all have their roles. Jesus is the word. He's the word of God to you. But when you believe that word, the spirit of God, power comes upon that word. He performs that word in your life. But we can see now that when we start talking about the Holy Spirit and we don't acknowledge him, 
we're missing out. We're missing out. We're missing out. I'll tell you why we're missing out. Open Ezekiel 37. This one is a long one. Verse 1 to 10. It's the valley of dry bones. It's the valley of dry bones. The Lord took hold of me, right? And I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. He led me all around among the bones that covered the valley. They were scattered everywhere across the ground and were completely dried out. Then he asked me, son of man, can these bones become living people again? O sovereign Lord, I replied, you alone know the answer to that. Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to those, dry, to those bones and say, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I am going to put breath in you and make you live again. I will put flesh and muscle on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath into you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I spoke this message just as he told me. Suddenly as I spoke, there was a rattling noise all across the valley. The bones of each body came together and attached themselves as complete skeletons. Then as I watched, muscle and flesh formed over the bones. Then skin formed to cover their bodies. But still, they had no breath in them. Let me stop there and explain what we've had so far. Here's a field of dry bones, dead. Right? And you know that scripture, it says, we were dead in our sins. That's us. Dead in our sins in the valley. And he says, can these people live again? Right? And here comes the pattern. He says, speak the word. Because the Holy Spirit is a very simple guy. If the word is not present, he's not doing anything. And I only mean the word of God. Not your word, not my word, not the word of the devil. He's only there to perform the word of God. So the pattern is, the word comes first. So he says, speak this prophetic message to these bones. Dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. And he spoke the message. He did what God asked him to do. And there was the rattling, everything. Right? And then flesh and muscle start coming. But we stopped at the part where there was flesh, there was muscle, there was everything, but there was no life. There was no life. Right? The rattling, the big noise, everything did all of that just to bring us flesh. Ready. You're ready. You've heard. You've heard the word. You believe in Jesus. You're ready. You're ready. But there's no life yet. Right? Go. Verse 9. Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to the winds, son of man. And we know that in the scripture, wind is described as the Holy Spirit, right? Speak a prophetic message to the wind, son of man. It says, speak a prophetic message and say, this is what the sovereign Lord, come, O breath from the four winds, breathe into these dead bodies so that they may live again. So I spoke the message as he commanded, and breath came into their bodies, and they all came to life and stood up on their feet, a great army. See how the, the introduction of the spirit, the breath, the wind, 
the Spirit comes in and they all receive life. They rose up a great army. The Bible did not tell us that there was swords and things in the valley, but they were a great army and they were the army of the Lord. They were the army of the Lord, right? So the Spirit of God is he's what you need. He's the power that most of us reject. We want, we want this life. We want to live. We want to live a holy life. We want to do all of this. We want God to use us. We want to be his witnesses. But the Bible says they reject the power. How do you reject the power? It's very simple. People don't believe. Because I said the Holy Spirit works by the word, right? If you believe the word, he can perform the word on you, in your behalf, in your life. Because you have authority. He's not going to waltz his way into your life and just been doing things. When the word comes, you believe the word. He, the power, you don't have to act out what the word says. Believe is what you have to do. And then the power will be supplied by the Holy Spirit to make it happen. Matthew 13, 53 to 58. When Jesus had finished telling these stories and illustrations, he left that part of the country. He returned to Nazareth, his hometown. When he taught there in the synagogue, everyone was amazed and said, where does he get this wisdom and the power to do miracles? Then they scoffed. He's just the carpenter's son. And we know Mary, his mother, and his brothers, James, John, Simon, and Judas, All his sisters live right here amongst us. Where did he learn all these things? And they were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. Then Jesus told them, a prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown and among his own family. And so he did only a few miracles there because of their unbelief. It's the same Jesus. He didn't change. He's the same one that fed 5,000. He didn't. The only thing that changed in this whole thing was he finally got to a place where the people refused to believe him, who is the word of God. So that's the only situation. If Jesus, everywhere he went, good news, healings, everything followed him, and he got to a place where, for the first time, not much happened, and it was because of unbelief. It's the same pattern that we follow now. The Holy Spirit is there. He's there. You read the Bible, I am healed. He says, yes, you are healed. But then you get to work, and you say something else, and he's like, I don't know which one she is. Is she healed or is she not healed? He can only perform the word that you believe. The word that God speaks to you that you believe. And that's what people do. Like nobody ever wants to say, I'm rejecting the Holy Spirit. No. You don't literally like reject the Holy Spirit like the way we think. But we reject him when we don't believe the scriptures we read. We reject his power when we don't believe that, you know, he says he will supply all your needs. When you don't believe that, his hands are tied. I mean, not literal hands, but his hands are tied. He can do nothing for you. 
You are rejecting the power that God has given you to be his witness. And I'm saying his witness because witnessing is not just me standing here and preaching. Witnessing is the fact that you live your life blessed, right? You live your life sane in your mind, right? All these things that Paul told Timothy, loving their self, prideful, boastful, those are not things that witness Christ. But when you accept the power of the Holy Spirit, Believe what the scripture says. You start to see, right? The, the, the word comes, you get muscle, you get, you, get, you get flesh, you get tendons, right? And the Holy Spirit comes, gives you the breath of life, makes that word to come alive in you. And all of a sudden, you are standing as an army witnessing. Because the dry bones that were dead in the valley, they could not tell anybody anything. Every time everybody came to that place, they said it was just the valley of dry bones. But when they were standing a great army, when people saw, they started, they would be glorifying God. There's no other way. You just saw dead people come to life. The only thing is to, is to glorify God. And that's witnessing. You don't, sometimes you don't even have to preach. You don't even have to tell somebody, do you believe in Jesus? They'll see your life and they'll be like, I want what you have. I want what you have. Right? In studying this, God showed me something. He says, the only power that any one of us have as human beings, the way he created us, is the power to choose who we decide to listen to and obey. Right? And I said, God, we're talking about the power of the Holy Spirit. Why are you talking about the human power. And he says, because the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of every human being on this earth is directly connected to how the world would witness the, the kingdom of God on this earth. Right? He said, he created us and gave us authority. Right? But that authority can be yielded. You have authority we don't have the power. We have authority, but we can yield that authority, right? Romans 6, 16 tells us, it says, don't you realize that you become the slave of, of who or whatever you choose to obey, right? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living, you have one power, and it's the power to choose who you decide to obey, to listen to, right? The word, what word are you taking? What word are you really listening to? Are you listening to the Holy Spirit? Are you following his leading? Are you obeying? Are you believing? Are you obeying? Are you walking with him? Right? That's what he's saying. Because we think we're doing things by ourselves, but ultimately you're making choices every day. One of two choices. Are you following God or are you following yourself, which is ultimately being led by the devil? Every day, every day, we can be led by the Spirit. And in Him be leading us, we start exercising our own authority on the earth. Right? Because in the way He created us, he gave us authority over the earth, but he wanted to be in our hearts and in our minds so that he will rule and reign through us. 
in us, through us, his spirit will be witnessing through us. We'll be doing the things that he wants to do. Everything that he says will finally, like that prayer that he said people should pray, that, that it will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How would the will of God be done on earth as it is in heaven if each and every one of us have recognized that power that is the Holy Spirit, cherish and find intimacy with him and start to yield ourselves to him in obedience. If he says do this, just do it. Because it seems so simple. When I say witness, you want that Moses experience where you are climbing to somewhere and you see a burning bush and then from the bush you are hearing, let me see somebody in this audience, you are hearing anti-happiness, I'm going to use you. You are hearing happiness. Ah, happiness. Lord. No. Now it's inside. It's small. It's simple. It's maybe you should call Brother John today. Okay. And call Brother John. You don't know. But that's what he said. And do it. Simple. That, you might not even think that has any importance, but to God, that was effective witnessing. You don't know if that phone call is what he needed. It's not in the craziness that we'll find witnessing. It's in the simple, mundane listening and obedience to the Holy Spirit. You'll be effective. You'll be so effective. And we'll see instances of it in the Bible, right? See, in Mark chapter 16, verse 17 to 18, Jesus tells us something, and we'll see the example of it. It says, this miracle signs shall accompany those who believe. These miraculous signs shall accompany those who believe. Not those who have the most money, not those who have the best voice, not those who have the best acoustics and all the lighting. <laughs> I like the lights, you know, but it's not that. It's those who believe. Right? They will cast out demons in my name. They will speak in new languages. They will be able to handle snakes with safety. If they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. They will be able to place their hands on the sick and they will be healed. Now, open to Acts chapter 3, verse, 16, verse 6 to 16. I won't read most of it because we know the story. But Peter said, I don't have money, but I'll give you this. By the power of the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk. Right? Let's jump to verse 9. It says, when all the people saw him jumping up and down and heard him glorifying God, they realized that it was the crippled beggar they had passed in front of the beautiful gate. Astonishment swept over the crowd, for they were amazed over what had happened to him. Verse 11, dumbfounded over what they were witnessing, right? You can, <laughs> witnessing is two ways. You can be a witness, and when you are being a witness, others are witnessing. That's, that's exactly why it's perfect. All you have to do is be a witness, because when you are being a witness, others will witness what the Holy Spirit and God is doing, 
And that's where he expands his kingdom. Dumbfounded over where they were, what they were witnessing, the crowd ran over to Peter, who was standing on the covered walkway called Solomon's porch. Standing there also was the hill beggar clinging to Peter and John. Right? With the crowd surrounding him, Peter said to all of them, People of Israel, listen to me. Why are you so amazed by this healing? Why do you stare at us? We didn't make this crippled man walk by our own power or authority. The God of our ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, has done this, for he has glorified his servant, Jesus, the one you denied to Pilate's face when you decided to release him. Instead, you, and instead you, and you insisted that he be crucified, sorry. You rejected the one who is holy and righteous and instead begged for a murderer to be released. You killed the prince of life, but God raised him from the dead and we stand here as witnesses to that fact, right? All of that. Jesus told them the word, it's very simple. If you believe what I tell you, this thing will happen. They were walking. This guy says, give us money. They remembered. We have something else. They believed the word. They used the name they had been given. They pulled him up. Power came into him. He stood up. See the Holy Spirit working on all of this. They haven't done anything. All they've done is believed and just act. They do that. He starts giving glory to God, right? Others witness what's happening, and they come around, and they start wondering what's going on. And then the Holy Spirit allows them to be able to even witness further and do what the Holy Spirit always wants to do, which is whichever thing he is doing, he ultimately wants the world to see Jesus. Because once they could see him, he could come in and he could give them life too. So he's doing all this. They are effectively witnessing. Right? Let's look at Acts chapter 8, verse 29 to 39. The Spirit told Philip. Right? I love when the Holy Spirit speaks. He's so precise. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk along beside the carriage. Right? Then go further. Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. Philip asked, do you understand what you are reading? Verse 31, the man replied, how can I unless someone instructs me? He urged Philip to come up into the carriage and sit with him. The passage of scripture he had been reading was this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb is silent before the sharers, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? So beginning with the same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. As they rode along, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? He ordered the carriage to stop and they went down into the water and Philip baptized him. Last verse. When they came up, to the, came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. The eunuch never saw him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Isn't that like, I told you, 
This is the first guy that has ever teleported in the history of the world. You, you might not believe, in fact, believe it. There's no reason not to believe it is in the Bible. This Philip, the Spirit snatched him. The Spirit of God does not need you to do anything else but what he needs. Right? Philip was wherever he was, and the Holy Spirit said to him, it's time. I can just imagine you sitting in your house, just by yourself, just having a nice day. And then the Spirit of God just comes to you. Let's go for a drive. I don't even like driving. But just do it. Do it. You are rejecting power. Do it. Like, is, this is in the Bible for us to see. He did it. He ran beside the carriage, got there. The Holy Spirit is there to do one thing. The word was already present, right? Philip went with the word. The eunuch was reading the word. Holy Spirit is like, the word is there. I need to go. This is my, this is my ministry. The word is there. I am there. And so he brings Philip to the eunuch, allows Philip to be able to witness to him and actually explain to him the truth behind what he was reading. Because the word was there, but again, the breath hasn't followed. The spirit is bringing the breath to the eunuch right there. And he comes and he explains it to him. And it's important, right? Because the eunuch is the one that asked Philip when they came to water. He said, why can't I be baptized? In other words, he has understood. He has gotten it. The job is done. He gets down, baptizes him. Holy Spirit says, job done. Where are we going next? Snatch the guy. And if you read further, you could take it on your own. The Bible says he appeared in another place and began preaching to those guys. Philip, you don't take breaks. Effective. Effective. He didn't spend one more second than he needed in that place. <laughs> I love the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Matthew 16, verse 17 to 19. Jesus replied, You are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church. And all the powers of hell will not conquer it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. And whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. All of that, right? Because the ending part is so great. You will have power to bind things on earth, bind things in heaven. But where did this all start from? The revelation that Peter had that Jesus is the Son of God. Who revealed it to him? The Father. Who reveals to us Jesus now? The Spirit. He's the one that's been revealing Jesus. Once you get that is where once the Holy Spirit comes in and you have received the revelation and you believe it, that's when the power starts. That's when the authority, the true authority starts. This one, this kind of authority where he says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom. 
<laughs> keys of the kingdom. Because once you get revelation from the Holy Spirit, you no longer have to be checking, is, it this, is this how I will get it? Is this? No. The Holy Spirit comes, give you revelation, and that gives you the key. Key, key, key is very important. It's a key because it's the key. There's a particular door, and if it's a door and you have the key, it must open if it's the key. <laughs> the Holy Spirit will reveal things to you that will bring you keys in the kingdom <laughs> that you will start to open doors that will cause a world to wonder like what's going on there's a different spirit here I wrote a simple equation for myself right because I'm still a science person. The power of the spirit, which is the power of God, he only performs the word of God where it is believed, right? Then the power of man, right, which is the choice of who to listen to and who to obey, right? Different kinds of powers, but very, very necessary to do what God needs here. The Holy Spirit will bring the power. You have a power to listen and obey the Holy Spirit. And when those two things come together, we have the power of God here on this earth. Because the Holy Spirit doesn't do anything of himself. He doesn't even speak anything of himself. He only speaks what he hears from the Father. So ultimately, what you're hearing and you're believing is from God. And he performs the word that the Father speaks, just like he did in Genesis, just like he did raising Jesus from the dead. He performs that word. So we start to see God's plan, God's will being done on the earth. What does that look like for you and me? Right? I wake up today. Right? I worship. I talk to God. And then I rely on him to determine for me what I am to do. Right? Some of those things include the things he has already given you. If you have a job, that's part of it. But... What are the other things? He would direct you. God is not, like when I say what am I supposed to do and you ask God, like God is not stupid. He knows you have a job. You think God would say, oh, don't go to your job. He's the same God that says you should work for your employer, give them their time. Trust the Holy Spirit. Some of you don't like asking that question because you think God will ask you to stay in your house the whole day. Ask him. There's a space for you to even witness at your job. So ask him, right? You do that and whatever he says, you do. You just have to believe it. He's not asking you to do it, to act it out. He's not asking you to do that. He's just asking you to believe it. He's got the power. He's got the power. Right? Sometimes we, maybe that's why some of us are afraid to ask for something. Or God tells you, oh, I'll do this for you. And you're just like, uh, <laughs> me. Because you think maybe somehow you are involved with how it's going to happen. No, the only involvement you have is to believe. Once you believe, the spirit comes with the power. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 to 20 tells us, it says, and all this is a gift from God, right? Who has brought us back to himself through Christ? Everything we have been saying now. He did this, he brought us back to us through Christ and has given us this task of reconciling people to him, right? 
For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. Right? We have that same calling too. We are Christ's ambassadors. That's another fancy word for saying witness. We are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal. How? Through us. And that's, that's heavy. You think God doesn't need you? He does. He needs you in your job. He needs you in your office. He needs you in your school. He needs you every, He needs, he, he's lit you up. And he's, he needs to, he's going to place you somewhere so you can bring light to others. Don't just shy away, stay in your house, do all of this stuff and, and, and just neglect those who God has truly called us to be a light to. And, and I'll just leave with this testimony. Um, something that actually came from the, the what Pastor um, Ezeniah said last week um, in the giving. And just to even further emphasize this, testimony, this um, topic of witnessing, when he was saying that, uh, I mean, I was sitting there and I had just given, um, I took the envelope, right? I wrote it. I didn't know what I was going to give. I just wrote it because I knew I was going to. Right? I didn't know what I was going to, but I knew the word has come. I need, this is what he said. I'm going to do it. Right? I told my wife we decided. <laughs> and I... <laughs> I have this funny thing of every time I want to give anything, I just ask God, and whatever he tells me to give, I just give. And sometimes those amounts, they be. <laughs> but we're not going to say which one today. But I, wrote, I told my wife the amount, and yeah, she was just quiet. That's exactly it. She was just quiet. <laughs> and uh, if you see my phone, the text message, I, I sent her the amount, and there was like a space of like two days with no response. <laughs> and so, but that's what God said in, his, in my spirit, like give that amount. And so I did it. And all through the week I was studying for this and I, and I didn't know that any of this would come about. But on, I believe it was Thursday, I was finishing up the notes and production I probably know this because I sent them the message on Thursday. I was finishing up the notes and Myself and my wife, like, we'd given money. Uh, somebody was owing us some money. And I told God, I said, God, we're going to give this amount, but I don't really like dipping into, like, our savings and stuff, you know. But I want to. I'm going to. Like, I'm going to. Like, I'm not arguing with you or whether or not I'm going to. And then I was there, and he says, okay. And then somebody who was owing us texted me, says, oh, are you home? And I was like, yeah, I'm home. And as the person texted me, God said, they're going to bring the money to you this evening. And I was like, okay. And he says, they're not going to bring all the money. They're going to bring exactly the money that you're going to put, that I've told you to put. I said, okay. And so I was writing the notes. The person texted me, I'm here. And God said, they're here. I said, okay. I went downstairs. The person gave me the money. And I counted the money. The person owes more than that. They do. 
but they brought exactly the amount. Exactly the amount. Not one dollar more. And I already had the envelope, so I just put it in the envelope. And I immediately gave it to my wife so that I would not be tempted to. But there and there, God told me, he said, what I do is important to me because it is what is needed. It is what is needed. So I'm only sharing this, not because I want to say anything about the program or anything, but because in that, he let me understand, like, some people here are going to, all of everything that I've said today, but just that made them understand everything. So the Holy Spirit will come like I just obeyed. He will bring what is needed. I didn't even have to go to the ATM to get the money to give. The person brought in cash. I just put it in the envelope. What are the things that God has been speaking to you to do? You're reading the word of God. You're reading the word of God. Yes, it's like you're getting muscle, flesh on your bones. But what is the Holy Spirit speaking to you? Have you believed what the Holy Spirit is saying to you? Starting from everything that is in the scriptures that we've been learning all through these years, you are blessed. All the promises that are in the scriptures because he cannot even perform those if you don't believe them either. Right? And for us to be effective witnesses, we can also not be the ones that need to be witnessed to. Not saying that we don't need to be witnessed to, but we cannot always be the ones on the receiving end. We have to get to a place where we can now give because we in our closet, in our personal space, we have spent time with the Holy Spirit. We have believed the word. We have seen in our own lives first. Inwardly, we have seen the, the work and the power of the Spirit. And so we can go out and actually be his witnesses. He's not asking for anything much. He's just asking for you to believe. Right? He's just asking for you to believe. He's just asking for you to believe.